Welcome to Ready Layer One. It's a Web3 podcast that focuses on the Near ecosystem. And this episode, we interview Tim from MailChain. MailChain is, is one I, I really, I really like talking to. I've had a previous relationship with them uh, before the podcast of just uh, trying to work with them. And to have Tim, the CEO, come on and really talk about what MailChain really is and what the longer term vision is, is just a really great conversation. Yeah, agree. And also uh, in this podcast, you, you know, I really like a light bulb moment hit me in this podcast, which I always loved when that happens where I'm like, oh, this is so much more than I had originally thought. Right. So it's not yeah. just like a one to one email replacement at all. It's like exactly. so it's like way better. And that's I, I like when that happens. I'm talking about like token gating and some other ideas that I thought were like really in my wheelhouse of stuff I'm interested in. So absolutely. I'm uh, really excited for people to hear this one. Me too. All right. Well, hey, everyone. I hope you enjoy. Today, we have uh, Tim from MailChain. Uh, Tim, you're the CEO, correct, of MailChain. And uh, I think this is something that is a really interesting product. So I would love for you to kind of give like the elevator pitch of what is MailChain. Yeah, sure thing. So first off, thanks for having me. Um, it's a great opportunity to talk about MailChain. Um, which is a communication layer for Web3. Um, we've been thinking about this problem space since 2018. Um, and we played around, we being myself and Rob, my co-founder, um, we played around with uh, different encrypted messaging solutions um, and ways for people using Web3 identities to be able to send messages to each other since the time when we first started. And um, at that time, myself and Rob were at AWS, and um, we were working with startups. I was working with a lot of blockchain startups and increasingly saw that there was no sort of good way to handle retention and bringing people back to dApps, letting people know when issues have happened, um, and they basically need to go and contact everyone. Um, so we kept exploring uh, what was needed, and then we came up with the belief that uh, Ultimately, we'd need a multi-protocol communication layer that would support all address types, all identity types, um, and it would need to be private, self-sovereign, um, and come with all the principles that you'd expect in Web3. And that, to us, was the real starting point. That's Yeah, I think that's a, a really interesting proposition coming in because one of the things that Jared and I have talked about before on other episodes of like, how do you start to allow people to actually, you know, not just communicate over like Twitter, but also have those private one-to-one -one conversations yes. that is truly, again, private and owned. So when you guys started thinking about this, was it the thought to build it on top of a particular chain and then go from there? Or how did you start to see this? Um, well, the idea came to me when I was at uh, DevCon 4 in Prague, Ethereum's DevCon. Um, so naturally, the people that I'd spoken to were in the Ethereum ecosystem, um, and most of the sort of experimentation had been happening around there. So, for example, Status, which is a wallet slash uh, communication chat app, um, they'd already built out something um, that was it was pretty good, um, and it used libp2p. Um, so it worked for the addresses you created within Status, but we wanted to look at it from a different perspective and basically figure out how data should transition from one address to another mm -hmm. um, and how do you sort of abstract that in the right way 
or how do you scale that so that it can address what's coming? And when we say what's coming, we think that everybody will have their discrete identities for each different purpose. So you might have your uh, investment identity, you might have your gaming identity, collector's identity, those are all things we see today. But what happens when your health app puts in an identity and needs to send you messages around that? Um, when your car has its own identity and you need to get notifications around that. So we started to look at the fact that people will have many identities and how we would sort of compile that. So we realized one single protocol probably wasn't the best place to start. So we took a wrong approach of building into each individual protocol, running infrastructure for each individual protocol. And if we kept that approach, then we would have to be running basically every single chain or using indexes of every chain. And that puts us in the infrastructure business we didn't want to be in. That's, yeah, I, I mean, so when you talk about like what you guys are trying to do, it's really not, I guess, a fair statement to say that it's like an email replacement, right? Like it's more of, you said it's an identity management Kind of thing. How would you phrase that to somebody coming in? Uh, I think back to a lot of the conversations that I've had, and it really depends who we're talking to. Um, mm -hmm. Or looking at the Web3 natives who understand that communication is lacking and needed, um, we, we tend to talk about the fact that we have a unified inbox that allows people to receive messages for uh, every identity they have. So when you sign up to MailChain, you get an account and... Under that account, you can register different identities from different chains, etc. Jared, you look like you got a question. No, what I'm doing is so. What helps me is like we're talking about this right now, and I'm uh, I'm on you know Mailchain right now, and I'm in like you know we've been signed up and all that stuff. And the way you're explaining to me now, because like it's all about like a framing of how I use a product, and I like that like it's not just like it wouldn't be just an email is maybe not a good one to one comparison. The fact that I could bring in all my wallets into a singular inbox is getting really cool here. Like, so that's all. I was more that that like, oh, was me on the site clicking connect another wallet and it's doing the drop down of all the wallets I can connect. And it's like, oh, okay, okay. So it was it was a uh, a light bulb went off in my head is what <laughs> that look was. Awesome, yeah. So that's where um, all of Web3, all of one place comes into um, that we often talk about. Um, so by bringing all of the communication into one place where you can manage that, you then, in the same way that with traditional email in your inbox, where you get all your notifications, offers, actions you've got to take, receipts, um, flight tickets, all of that stuff, that's what this is supposed to be for Web3. So when you think, huh, I'm sure that I interacted with uh, Aave on some protocol somewhere, um, or I bought this NFT somewhere you go and look that up and then you can find out which address it came from without having to go back through every address that you actually have and try and find where that was on an explorer knowing an approximate time that that took place and whilst we're not building a search product per se having notifications from applications um, and community updates etc coming into that place means that you don't have to proactively go and do everything every time you come to web3 to see what's going on it comes to you this interesting. I li I just tweeted something the other day. I was like, I wish I had like a a wallet for my wallets, right? Like when I was like, man, I've got so many wallets across so many chains, and I'm like losing. This is like a similar concept where it's like all this Web three world can be. This can be my hub. Yeah, 
all right cool all right nice so is the is the larger view for MailChain to have everyone start to build on top of it and so that way like the way that we use push notifications today yeah. um that it, you know instead of using that SDK we're going to use the MailChain that's right um so back to your question before about is this a replacement for email it's not a replacement it sits adjacent to it and so the inbox interface is where everybody goes to read their messages pretty much um but we have an sdk that developers can just drop in and then they can send messages out using the protocol and um everything that we're building is either open source or going to be open source um so that people can come in and we would like to see many different inboxes file sharing apps um different storage providers, different um, like account structures, all of this can sit on the same communication rails. And then it just furnishes people working with public private key identities and DIDs. Mm -hmm. So our inbox, it's almost like a, it's an inbox, but that, that, I guess that a uh, module could be almost like a feed over time. If more things start as more things start getting added to it. So it's like, this is from this. And, and as I click on each message or each alert, I can understand sort of where it's coming from and organize my web three world. Of course. Yeah. This and you is... can verify where that's coming from. Yeah. Which, okay. The verification. All right. Now, um, what is the security like on this thing? Right? Like, cause I think what we've been hitting on for the last couple of months and I, I hit on all the time is like how much data we are actually giving away in web two. Like I'm talking like, cause I work in marketing. And so it's an absolute crazy amount. And Gmail is like literally just like, hey, I let you read all my emails so you can target me. Yeah. So what is your philosophy on privacy and this inbox? Or not even this inbox, it's feed almost. So we believe that users have the right to uh, maintain their own privacy. And by that, I mean, we're not radical privacy um, revolutionaries who want everything to be kept super, super secret. Um, but we build security in and privacy in at the core of everything. Um, so we don't want to read anyone's data and we've made it impossible for us to do so. Um, when you sign up for an account, that is your account. That's why you have to go through uh, the process of saving your recovery phrase. Yeah. Um, and once you've got that account, that means that any data that gets transmitted to MailChain, and we hold your mailbox for you as a convenience, that's all encrypted. So we can never go in and read your messages. Um, all messages are end-to-end -end encrypted. Um, and the people who have access to those keys are the recipients. So it's not like we can um, maintain an end-to-end -end encrypted message with us coming in the middle and being able to read something. It's just not possible. And we prefer to build with that privacy stance, even if it takes us a little bit longer to be able to decentralize components, et cetera. Yeah, that's awesome. And I, I'm with you. I'm not like some like, we should only be like, you know, <laughs> undoxed humans surviving in like a world of number names. But at the same time, there's a great middle ground. There, there's something in the middle there, which is like my personal privacy. That's right. And I, you know, can share with what I want. And I think that's really important. And it's just starting to kind of creep into the the world. It seems like in certain regions in the world globally, it's much more front of mind, but it's starting to get, I think I can see it over the next five years, especially over the next decade, becoming like a center yeah. of conversation. I think this is the sort of concept of zero party data. 
with yeah. first party data being like Google have access and can decide what they want to look at and you've trusted them to do that. Whereas zero party allows you to only share what you want to share at a given moment. See, that's a really good term right there. Like that, 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 that's a clip right there. Talk about <laughs> clips. Like, cause it's really important to like, you know, this is all such a, it's not such a new space, but it's very like front, uh, front of the wave. And mm, so totally. clarifying to people, um, the privacy aspect's nice. Um, Joe, do you want to jump in? So is all the messaging, um, that, that sit on your servers at, where is that all residing? Uh, so currently we run all the storage and okay. um, we use decentralized, or sorry, no, we use distributed um, data stores. It's all in cloud because we've optimized for resiliency sure. um, and then everything is encrypted within that. Um, we're building out the way for people to bring their own storage. Um, and what that means is in the same way that email, you can uh, bring up your normal mail server, and then you can send messages to someone's email server. And that doesn't require anyone else in the network um, to like participate in that at all. Um, that's what we're doing with this so that you can come along, you can have your IPFS, your preferred storage, whatever that might be. Mm -hmm. um, you can link it up to anything, uh, even for the uh, hyper secure or those that need additional redundancy then they might have their own flavors of what that is. And that all sits in a registry so that you can direct your messages to wherever it is you want to send it. But for now, we're the ones running that um, until we've built out the uh, software for people to run. Yeah, sure. That, no, that, that makes sense. So like, would you equate what this is, and maybe this is a, not the best example, but like if somebody who is a little more comfortable with some of the security measures in web, the traditional email web two, is this similar to the concept of like PGP kind of encryption? Yeah, I think looking at that, like it's such a shame that PGP didn't catch on better. Um, yeah. So if everybody used PGP and all the rails were in place, then we'd probably, we'd have some different uh, monetization models for email. I think hosted email would look very different, yeah. uh, but um, like we probably wouldn't have a great deal of, additional things to bring to the traditional email space later on if PGP was widely adopted. Mm -hmm. But what we think can happen is if we can get enough people using their identities in Web3 as a regular communication touch point, then we can look at how normal application providers can bring that into a mail chain world. So what is, before I make my own assumption, what is the what is the model then that you guys are seeing to lead to that adoption? Um, I think we've got a long road ahead of us. <laughs> um, so starting today, uh, we're addressing Web3, and that means going out to the significantly adopted protocols and name services um, and making sure that we support all of those. Um, that's what led us to NIA, um, and actually the moves NIA has made recently with blockchain operating system. Um, that positions it wonderfully for the front end and for applications to start leveraging communication layer alongside that front end component sort of driven architecture. Um, blockchain. Oh, sorry. I was going to go ahead. It's really like blockchain operating system is, you know, the new sort of pivot that near made that I, I'm on like a journey to understand it. Right. Like it really is. It's like so radical. It's like one of the coolest things that's happened in web three and you're a project that like, you're saying that you could potentially use the boss or the blockchain operating system on near as the front end to mail chain. And then 
for a lot of it. it for all of yeah. it because it because it's so interoperable with all the other chains yeah so or, like at the moment separating the front end from the back end um and until we can get to a fully decentralized state the front end can all run as um the same components so long as we um make sure that the services are available behind apis or queryable um like we could move that into um near's blockchain operating system wow this I used like this is like uh this is like really cool to me because now it's like the blockchain operating system is just like I see a lot of threads on it and people talking about it and I'm like how does this work like who's yeah. using it and this is a great example of how it could work so that's awesome yeah I think here we're stressing could because we've just started down the component route um cool. and we released one component um obviously we've got a lot more to go um but I think actually in the hackathons that we've had folks participating in. They're looking at how components can be just dropped into any application. So you can send a message from that. And so based on the fact you have your unified inbox on one side where you receive all your communication and then people send from anywhere and it's just simple to do. So I could, okay. So I'm so I'm just brainstorming out here because this is like, I, I like when I start to like understand a project. I'm like, okay. So in theory, you could have like a, a, a project on near could have a widget on their site. That's like a, that's that's connected to MailChain, and they and you could ping people on that and go straight to their MailChain world and back and forth or whatever, and it could that's all right. that be in that hub. Yeah. To continue on the journey that we were going on, sort of, how do we get uh, as the web becomes the web again, and Web two and Web three sort of merge back together? Um, there will be a lot more support for um, different types of identity. And the communications naturally will need to be managed um, alongside that. Uh, as we see traditional enterprises who look at running email clusters and services and have a whole security wrapper around that, have policy around that, we expect to see the same thing coming over to how they work with MailChain. So they'll want to run their own registries, uh, their own storage, their own archiving, be able to manage the users that use that. And slowly slowly this merges back together so that in the same way that if you for example have uh push push messages going out um or push notifications going out and you have your emails going out sms going out all of that mailchain will just be another communication channel that you leverage alongside that but you get the privacy benefits the verification benefits so yeah, one of the, the things that comes to mind, I know, so we, you know, I've been looking at it a lot for the projects we're working on and trying to brainstorm different ways. But like one of the concerns you must have and, and you think about like, it's not just the education of projects integrating you, right? It's then it's like, if I integrate MailChain, how do I then make sure my users are then using it, right? And getting those messages that I'm, that I'm, my app is sending out. So how... Are are you taking on that aspect, or are you encouraging the developers to then take that next step? Um, it's a bit of both. Um, what we've seen as we've arrived in different protocols is that there's initial push um, where a lot of users who are excited about this will naturally sign up, and that helps us bootstrap a little bit um, of the user base that we need to address because these are your here today active users who care about their identities. Right. Yes. Um, then we have to start working with the applications who are present in each ecosystem. So as we build out and we find the groups or their 
sort of customer segment who care about the communication use cases. And we really only want to end up working with the folks that care about the communication side of things. We don't want to just see integrations put in but not used. Then we start to have the high quality messages sent across um, MailChain. And as people sign up and they know that they can get notified um, in their MailChain inbox, that gives them a reason to sign up. There's yeah. not many reasons not to sign up. We don't ask for any details. We don't track anything. So from a privacy stance, you're not giving anything away. Mm -hmm. Wow. Real real quick, I'm going to just ask Joe something that I, I, I'll probably I'll cut this part out. But this helps me just understand. So Joe, yeah. the shard dog could, in theory, the shard dog, you know, uh, dog park that we're making, could all those messages on the back end just go straight to MailChain? So people yes, would get all their alerts in MailChain, thus decentralizing the whole entire thing. So that's, that's a better question for Tim, because that, yeah. that's kind of what <laughs> so, I was, that right? was like, what I was asking. That's kind of, <laughs> I think when I was asking in our chat, Tim, a little bit of like, you know, how do, or I think I put it in Discord maybe, of uh, like, you know, can you act as somebody else to send that message? Or how, like, how does that message then go out? Because those are the things that like, I, I'm, when I think of something like yeah. your, your protocol of, you know, how do I then, you know, leverage it in a way that one, maybe we allow like use it as a direct messaging drop in for people. Mm. And then secondarily, you know, how do we then make sure that we're pushing out messages in the right way that feels like notifications, you know, coming from the app? Yeah. Um, the second one's easier to answer. The first one requires more decision making because it depends. Yeah. So, um, the second one, if you want to send out from your application on behalf of other users, that's really easy to do because what you build into that is you would run a web service that um, would send out using the SDK and that would come from your address that's labeled as you. So anyone receiving a message from Shardog, they know and trust that it came from the platform. Um, but you, we also put a different reply to field so if you want to respond directly to a user so you take it back to mailchain for example uh i wanted to message jared through shard dog the message comes from shard dog but jared clicks reply and then it, that message goes to tim i gotcha okay see because because i'm thinking like um so email marketing right uh shard dog one of its like features is sort of like a take on email marketing right mm. and this sort of helps kind of close that loop that we've been trying to figure out if that's possible. I, don't, sorry, I know this is a podcast, but I'm like, I'm like brainstorming ideas. I think it's the this best is like way you have a podcast for, though. Yeah. <laughs> you have a podcast that you can figure out your own products. So. No, no, but yeah. it's also <laughs> one of those things to like, I think it helps listeners too. Like if yeah. we talk about things, you know, it's like no, putting definitely. them in use case and real world uses, you know? Um, yeah. And it's also more fun to listen to. I think sometimes when people <laughs> just riff. Uh, yeah, cool. All right. We'll talk more about that at another time. But so it, it, it could make sense like that. Yeah, yeah. But... I, I think just to cover off the um, first part that I didn't get to, uh, if you wanted to have in-app messaging, mm -hmm. you would probably have to decrypt that on behalf of your users. Okay. Uh, so what you would have is in the same way that you register all of your um, different addresses, mm -hmm. you would probably just create a bunch of different addresses, one for each user, and use that private messaging key. So each user on your keyring has their own inbox 
Oh, I got you. Like a sub account type of thing, like yeah. sort of like that. Yeah. Okay. Um, but we're also doing quite a lot of work on the receive side of the SDK um, because it's not in the SDK right now. Um, so, like, if you want to give us more info on that, happy to take that back to Rob, CTO, um, and he can obviously think about that as a use case. Yeah. yeah, and it's also good for other projects to think about who are listening to this, like how they could incorporate this thing because it's a it's a feature I think that also as it scales more it becomes more valuable, right? I don't know. I'm sure there's some term about something that as it gets more users scales like of a flywheel effect or something, but uh, it definitely has that. Yeah, totally. Kind of continuing down this path a little bit of you know integrating into other DApps and things like that. Yeah. One thing that I think a lot about is though is the notif the actual like final notification piece. So yeah. I come from a really heavy Web two background that was really focused on a lot of you know consumer and borrower engagement, and what that meant was that we needed to be able to get to people's pockets you know as efficiently as possible. And push mm -hmm. notifications on mobile phones was definitely one of the biggest things there, but also SMS things like that. How do you find yourselves thinking about that last mile of notification um it's definitely the one of the big challenges that we've got when it comes to user experience um recently we pushed out browser notifications um which is great for me spending a lot of time in front of my computer um and like the experience just immediately changed for me so that's sure. reinforced how important notifications are mm -hmm. um and i think initially because we didn't have any notifications coming up um like it's difficult to know and you have to make mailchain part of your rituals if you're someone who comes to web3 um then like it's just one of those things we want to get away from that because that's not a great way to be so i agree with you on um getting to people's pocket is very important we're starting to look at and this is where our security stance is a challenge because how do we give people notifications without revealing to other people that they've got messages and at what time those messages arrived? Um, so we're looking at how we can break out certain components of the message flow that's appropriate for people to put into applications and receive push notifications around, uh, assuming they've opted into those. So it's under heavy research and development. Sure, sure. Do you do you look at other products that are like somewhat in the same space, like a signal of you know what they're doing around that? Because if you have the Signal mobile now, that might be because it's a mobile app directly. But yeah. if you have the Signal mobile app, you can still get push notifications. You can choose, you know, your level of that. That's right. And actually, if we had a mobile app um, that was native, then I think we could probably deliver a better experience around that too. Mm -hmm. Is that in the works? uh today no um yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's on the roadmap but we went out yeah. trying to build the protocol and the minimum amount of interfaces to get people able to use it and use it well yeah um and so far that's the inbox the sdk um and then like a few little things that we've played with to help people send more messages um and scale that um so i think naturally a mobile app will come it may be someone else that builds that and that would be cool to see yeah, that's an interesting piece. I mean, you guys are, are building both a product and a protocol at the same time. Yeah. And so, like, it must be, I, I wonder, just like from a purely just building standpoint, 
you know, how, how do you manage that? Probably like this emotions probably tied to both of that of like, how much do you own? Some of it's your own baby. Right. And then as people come in and want to iterate on it and build on top of it, and now you're giving up some control, uh, even if you truly believe in decentralization and giving up control, sometimes it's not always easy. How yeah. do you guys as, as a team kind of manage some of that? Um, I think it varies depending on the team members. Um, mm -hmm. And for example, I think of Nathan, our product designer, um, who is absolutely married to the inbox and because it's his, it is his baby. Um, sure. And like the expression that he's put into that, uh, we absolutely love and so do users. Um, so we've actually been reasonably guarded on what goes into the inbox. Um, again, keeping the amount of code that makes it in there reasonably tight because we need yeah. to make sure that there's not just any old package getting thrown in. Um, and that will probably be the last thing that gets open sourced. And as we've said, we don't want to be the only inbox. So if someone actually has a different expression on what they want to put there, they should go and build an inbox and we will help them to do that. Um, oh, it just makes sense to do that. So um, people can like fork inboxes. I, I, I'm like getting my mind blown. Like, cause like all this stuff, like, so but I, I guess I'm confused. I got kind of lost between like the protocol versus the product. Yeah. So the protocol is fundamentally the product. Okay. Uh, the inbox is just one of the interfaces that we see on top of that. Okay. And in terms of forking just the inbox, that would be quite difficult to do because there's a bunch of services that go with it. Okay. When you go to send a message, there's lookups for keys, there's um, name resolution, and it goes out to a bunch of different places. So there is complexity um, mm -hmm. in making sure that you've got that covered, but we're trying to make it simpler and simpler. Um, oh. And then when it comes to the protocol, that absolutely we want people to build anything that they think should be sent via mail chain, um, however they want. And um, we know that we have like our impression of what should be sent there for our view of the world. But like I talk to people quite regularly who say, oh, you know, email's a boomer thing. Nobody uses it anymore. Quite a few people do use it. Um, but, you know, if they think that they've got a different way of sending messages, build it. Interesting. This is cool. Yeah, I guess like that, like, I guess what's so cool is like when I visualize it, right, you've got this like network, which is the protocol, which is a bunch of like, I'm going to guess like information highways that are all connected in a web of some sort. And then on top of that, you have MailChain, which is sort of the window to access all that. Yeah. And there's a lot of work that goes into that, connecting all those information highways, making sure the right information from the right highway gets put into the inbox versus the wrong information. But someone could also take build a window using the, the protocol yeah. and they're like, you know what? I want way more or different information in my inbox or like, yeah. And they could do that in theory. Yeah. So where we've seen that is um, with Ciara, uh, CMSs um, and people have started to build out CMS systems where they can write their content. It will send out to a bunch of subscribers and each of those are taking the send portion of the flow and having their different expression of how that comes into the protocol. Oh, cool. So it could almost be used as like a one-sided thing where you don't allow people to respond back. It's just out to people. Yeah. Like for marketing and stuff. Yeah. Cool. All right. It, that, that's really interesting. Yeah. One thing I, I do think of though, because of the openness of this and, 
you guys are using actual wallet addresses as part of the identity. Um, is there a concern about like spam and being able anyone being able to reach out to you? Like, so if somebody knows my wallet, especially like on near where it's named wallets, if you know my wallet, you could just pepper me with information, you know, questions, right? Um, So how is that something that you guys are, you feel that you need to solve or does that go back into that bucket of like, as people can build on top of it, that that could be solved that way? Uh, I think in the same way that we built the inbox, because we realized people need to be able to receive messages, um, we're going to have to build some anti-spam services because people want to be kept safe. And even yeah. if we're not the very best at doing it, we'll get it to a good level. But it'd be great if someone who knows more than us about anti-spam comes in and specializes in that and that's their business. Exactly. Joe and I were just talking about this. So here's my like thought about like NFTs in the future. Because they're so cheap, you've got a couple chains. Near Solana yeah. is doing compressed NFTs where it's we can mint like Shard Dog, we can mint a million NFTs for like not a lot of money. So if people hold an NFT yeah. or whatever in that wallet, is that maybe a way that you guys think in the future could be a way to eliminate spam? Like if I don't have your NFT, since it'll basically be free in the future, like it's like going to be just like click a button and get one. Yeah. That could be a way. Is that a possible way to maybe eliminate spam? Like if like on the back end, can the protocol check or can, sorry, this is got a non-tech person <laughs> trying to like, is there a way to check that in your mail chain account if you don't hold the nft of the person who's hanging you then you won't get a message it just won't go to you yes um so we look at that um from a sort of token gated perspective and if you're part of the same community as someone else so the sort of controls that you can have in place are you want to receive messages from everyone um and then the controls that we're bringing on is you want to receive messages from people that you've transacted with if so in MailChain, the registered address that you have is nothing to do with the transacting address in terms of key management. You never need your private keys to access MailChain and you never need to sign transactions beyond registering. So once you're in MailChain, that's an abstracted address. Um, but we can still look up what's on the original address. So token gating for me is one of the most interesting areas yeah. uh, because we can use it also for authentication using magic links into your inbox. So if you built a DAP that, um, let's say we see it a lot with Lens. If people have a Lens handle, then you you would basically send them a message to that Lens handle. So you know they are the owner of that. They would click that link. Then they would come, uh, they would be logged into your DAP based on owning that Lens handle. If you don't own the Lens handle, it doesn't stack up. Um, then in terms of the other anti-spam components i think the biggest challenge we have is we can't look at content and we obviously don't want to look at content but we have a fraction of time to look at or sorry the client has a fraction of time to look at decrypted uh messages before they hit the view in the browser Mm. Um, and that's where we've got to do all of this recognition so the users set their policy um, and most of it will be policy-based. And of course, we imagine a world where people will bring their uh, like their own spam lists of bad oh, actors. So yeah. if you receive a message from this, we know that this has been reported or it's they haven't transacted or whatever it might be. Um, and then it can operate that policy on your behalf. I, I love token gating. I, I think that aspect, 
because we're we're like in this AI wave right now, right? And it's only been four months old, but that is yeah. not slowing down. You could just I can just imagine someone's gonna write an AI that like can open up thousands of wallets and send thousands. Of, you know, someone's gonna figure this out. Yeah. But if you don't, what you can't do is an AI can't force you to hold a an NFT, a token. Yeah. So it's like a really interesting, like a we're going almost like I I, yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's the uh, I'm older, so I'm thinking about more curated experience on the web. Like I think. I don't know, in, in the early days of the web, Joe, like AOL, <laughs> you know, it was very curated. Like you mostly only interacted with the people that you wanted to. There wasn't like social media. Yeah, this is pre-Friendster, MySpace, all that. And there was something kind of nice about that, I think. And I don't know if we're going to go back to that because with the flood of just AI generated infinity content, are we going to now start to get more curated and be like, oh, my cha- my mail chain account is not like my Hotmail account. My Hotmail account's a hot mess. But my mail chain is like the curated one that I like. That's like who I care about. Like I go to mail chain and I respect it. I don't know. That's that's what I hope. I mean, I like that kind of idea. We'd love to get to a point where that's possible. Um, yeah, sure. I think that's going to be a combination of us and the community, like figuring out ways to do it. And at least you have this sort of fractionalized identity. So you can see what's coming through and what's addressed, what's being targeted. You yeah. can turn some things off. So yeah. it's not like your one Hotmail address that everyone targets. You can't really trace where that was used. Yeah. So one thing I I, I was thinking about with your product is, do you see it as a way, though, where like I think of like journalists and other people, like, is this a, a reasonable platform where someone could do a whistleblow, you know, and kind of like, you know, say like, okay, Here's an kind of anonymous way to report something. I'm a reporter. I could give my mail chain address out. Is there enough security and privacy in place where if I wanted to report something, I could just spin up a new ETH account, right? And and send a message. Would it work like that? Or is there ways that you're seeing now that you could still trace back through metadata and transactions and things like that? Uh I th- so look going through this on a step by step sort of basis, you can create a new account in MetaMask that has never transacted, has no history tied to it. You can register that in Mailchain using an account you just created on the fly. Um, so yes, you could do that. Um, we don't track. We anonymize all uh, visitors to the website. Um, and we don't track where messages have come from. So we wouldn't know uh, if you'd sent a message at a certain time. We can't link that back. Mm. You've got your ISPs and things to worry about, so you'd have to look at those elements. But sure. like a simplistic perspective, it would work for whistleblowers if you're not looking at like uh, mighty powers who can get into ISPs and request all of that. Um, right. But from a like looking at say a corporate whistleblower absolutely mm-hmm. um yeah looking at state i don't know um we'd have to go off and like i don't want to guarantee sure. yeah i guess like once you get so once you get past your protocol you know then obviously yeah. that's its own thing and you gotta have your own opsec for that but for just for if someone coming in and trying to use this that yeah. that privacy and safety is enough there because yeah. that seems like almost a better process for people 
than something like trying to use PGP because it is not always straightforward. If you are someone who is not technical at all and you want to send a private message to someone, um, forget it. Like, I yeah. don't think it's happening. So th this is a really, I think this was where these type of protocols to me also become bigger than, right, just being in crypto. It's yeah. actually world, real, real world type of stuff. Joe, you didn't, I didn't know that question was coming up. I love a good, that is like a, that is like, I love when I get surprised. Like that was a great, I like that back and forth. That was, what a cool use case. I didn't even think of that, Joe. That was not on our list of questions. <laughs> that, was a, that was a really good one. No, good I, response. Just, no I, I, I love these, I love these type of products because it gives yeah. you the opportunity to really think outside the box. Like you guys have totally. built something that yes it has a clear use case but it also is open enough where you can start to kind of explore concepts and yes. i'm always trying to say i don't want to recreate everything in web 2 i hate that attitude of it because I, I think same. that's a mistake but at the yeah. same time i think there are things that are there that we could maybe make better and actually make usable and now like this is like one of those things and so i think of all yeah. of those type of stuff i'm like oh this makes so much more sense well, yeah, I mean, I think, oh. so looking at like web two and what that's brought for us is amazing user experiences, um, a ton of experiments, both successful and failed ones um, that we can learn from. So yeah. as someone said to me the other day, they're looking to get involved with projects that build the internet that we deserve. And maybe yeah. web two is just a giant experiment around that. And then we can go off and start working on this thing that is better for humanity um, wherever possible. It's never an easy thing to balance yeah. it, um, but at least getting the fundamentals right. Yeah, and Joe, yeah. think about outside of the box, right? Like OnlyFans people, right? Like say, you, say you're say you in that industry, right? And you wanna like use mail chain. I mean, I might delete this. I'm just thinking for like, I, I'm just <laughs> expanding on like, you know, there's a whole industry about like privacy and being sure. able to send say like, Say say a couple just wants to send like uh, pics to each other that they don't want the world to see. This could be a way to do that. Like where it's on Google, it's like anyone like Gmail is looking at your photos. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I just I think one of the things that we've gotten so far away from, maybe this is just more philosophical than I guess a question, but one of the things that we've really gotten away from is the idea of like the right to privacy. And yes. like, it, you know, and it's not it's not about you that you're doing anything wrong or you're doing anything in particular. But I mean, you know, I'll I'll use uh, Jay. I'll use us as an example, right? So we first used to always just talk on SMS, right, or maybe email, and then we had a couple of things that we wanted to talk about that we felt like ah, uh, let's move it to Signal. <laughs> move it to Signal. And then and then like we were like, well, we might as well just stay here because you know, like, you know, you never know what you're talking about. We do talk about business stuff. We do talk about financial stuff with each other and we don't want that out there and we don't want to make a mistake of accidentally posting or sharing something somewhere exactly and so now our even our casual conversation you know is in an encrypted space and you know what it's great because i feel more comfortable i'm never worried about someone seeing that we're not talking about anything illicit it's just that like i don't want to mistakenly have some of this conversation go out there yeah that's right there's no need and the counter I've heard some people say that they get some really good relevant ads served to them for things that they kind of want to buy at the right time in web two using 
large social platforms um that's like that's okay for them if that's what they really value but i've had targeted ads switched off for a hell of a long time and i haven't bought very much and i'm okay with that (laughs) yeah Yeah, i mean anyone (laughs) who says they like ads for a targeted experience i could just let's go deep with them with someone who does digital marketing and just show how many touch points that they're tracking on them and be like, Oh, are you happy? You got some jeans now when they know everything <laughs> about you. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. <exactly. laughs> and everyone you're around your pod, all your pod of pods, like it's sketchy third party apps doing vocal recording. Like it's out of control. So totally. I, I love yeah. later in the podcast, Joe, when we get philosophical, because this is a product that like, I also think you and I should maybe do like a, a video where we actually set up a MailChimp account because I think like on initial opening of it, it's like, I think, or maybe you guys already have this, but I think it'd be good for maybe us to do it as well. Cause I think like showing opening the account and then also showing that you can do other wallets showing yeah. like showing, like trying to get a concept. Like there's like a 10 minutes of this podcast that I think would be a great underlay to us just going through and opening an account. Because like, I think once now that I understand, like this is like, way more than I thought it was going to be. Right. And I think mm-hmm. that yeah. I, 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 whatever way to get that message out to people, because it's just like, makes so much sense. It's hard for us to communicate that because when people hit a username password at the beginning, when they come yeah. to sign up, a lot of people say, Oh, it's web two, not interested. And they leave. Mm. It's like, actually it's more web three than signing a piece of data. Every time you log into something, not knowing if your assets are about to just walk out of your wallet. Right. Um, <laughs> so like we, we can't explain all of this up front because they're trying to sign up and send a message or receive a message. And it is a challenge to get like every part that we've built in and thought about for a very long time. Um, how do we do a better job of protecting user privacy, uh, giving a better flow and making it scalable so you can bring in as many wallets as you like and things like that. Exactly. Because now I'm seeing that in the future, I could have my, my mail chain and I can have just like, all my wallets connected to it. But then even within that, especially as like things move on, maybe there's some token gating stuff. I could really basically like, like my tokens, my NFTs or whatever could be my other inboxes. So like if I'm holding a mail chain NFT, I've got that as a, a sub wallet and every message you send to me, I just click on that and I see them. So now I've even got like a trusted space unless you, unless the, the NFT uh, project starts doing nefarious stuff. But like, sounds like a, like, am I getting it right? Like, that's kind of like my concept right now of how I could let Getting it right. Um, okay. That is the next level that we will basically go to once we serve most profiles from a naming perspective. Yeah. Um, is like, I mean, we already do it to a certain degree. If you have, let's say, um, an ENS name and that is an NFT, mm-hmm. you can send a message to that. Uh, when that moves, then the new recipient gets new messages, but yeah. that's not necessarily... Uh, that doesn't impact you for the time that you own that. But then you can start to do some really interesting things around like the numbered NFTs and mm-hmm. perhaps give different experiences. You could have like, a, oh, totally. You could have like a project could have different rarities, right? And like the higher rarities might be a simple, you could like target them with specific messages versus people with. Yeah. Cool. All right. No, it's, 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 uh, yeah. This is one of those projects that like, how do you get this? Like, it's awesome so um you know i don't want to take too much of your time today but just kind of thinking forward of just kind of talk a little bit about where do you guys see yourselves as next steps um you know is i assume this is 
obviously a you know business long term for you guys where does that monetary piece though eventually come in so i think the monetary piece is key um there's a lot of things that exist in the world today that are not sustainable and that concerns me and i wouldn't want to be spending a lot of time um with a team of around 10 people like full time on this when you think about uh getting a little bit older and choosing where you spend your time it's got to be meaningful worthwhile and something big enough and for the team um like mailchain is somewhere that they see as a home for a long time and um, we're building towards something really big so it needs to be sustainable and when we thought about how do we how do we make sure that we've got like a model and whether it involves tokenomics or um not tokenomics for subscriptions um it it needs to service what people are used to with email people are used to free email and it's very hard to compete with that um the cost of their email is something different um but they don't want to pay for the inbox right so we looked at um transactional email and all of those areas and what we came up with was a model that allows every human to be able to send messages for free every human will receive all messages for free um well everyone will receive messages for free because some are already paid for so bottom line all of us will be able to message each other um for free up to a certain point um that's around 30 messages a day we think um and then beyond that because you're sort of a significant user um or um a power user then you'll probably be happy to pay a transactional fee or you that might be wrapped up by a provider in a subscription um and you will pay for further messages on top of that until your free tier is recharged and so that allows us to give anyone in the world um like a public good that they can come along and use uh people who are getting value out of the protocol by sending messages that are received then they will be prepared to pay for that and that will also reward the infrastructure providers um, because the fees can then be distributed to the infrastructure providers and application providers um, based on what the usage is around those. So we have a self-sustaining model um, that's, it's, I mean, it's obviously somewhat theoretical right now, but it's based on what we've seen in Web2 works. Mm-hmm. Um, and we think that transposes pretty simply over into Web3. Yeah. Makes that sense. sounds yeah, and especially like near can do micro transactions and micro profits. So I think that's like an interesting use case. I know other chains are going to be limited maybe with their transaction costs, but near at least, and that might be where the boss comes in. It's the front end, who knows? That's right. I think we'll certainly see components around that. Um, one of the key things that we also want to make sure we can do, and maybe as people build out different side chains and um, different layers of technology, um, seeing a USD denominated chain or whatever the widely adopted fiat will be at the time that businesses tend to think in um then like people can then uh at least predict what their messaging costs are going to be yeah. i think right now the volatility is off-putting for anyone that's got to um maintain a budget for anything and like even i see it we we tend not to own very much crypto at all but we need it for going off and buying names and identities and just having to think about that extra dimension on the accounting and the budgets is a pain that most financial departments don't really want to open up the door to right that makes sense i mean with that in mind and the current market conditions and 
you know, I think there's obviously pros and cons to building in a bear market. Um, and for, you know, we talk about ourselves for our own products. It's, it's, there's a lot of benefits to building in a bear market, but you also are sometimes struggling with user adoption mm. because of that. So at what point do you have that threshold where you kind of need to start implementing those things to keep the, you know, keep things moving? Uh, I think for us, it's, it's more of the point where we can build out the decentralized components mm. that that makes sense. So initially we're not, uh, we're prioritizing more of the integrations and people using the protocol because ultimately if nobody ends up using the protocol um, or a small user base and there's no mm -hmm. point in putting tons of brain work into it. Um, but like we've got good signs for adoption from the users. Um, we've got a bunch of integrations that are online and more coming. Um, so that is moving in the right direction. That means that puts things like the distributed storage on the map. And once we've got distributed storage, that means an infrastructure provider can come in and run storage, but they're probably not going to do that for free. Um, so that's where we start to look at the fee model and how we can bring that in. And obviously, mm -hmm. if there is a stable coin, scalable chain at the time that can handle those kind of microtransactions, um, that's what we're going to be looking for. Yeah, the, thanks so much for taking time today, Tim. I really appreciate Not it. Not at all. Um, really nice to meet you, Jared and Joe, to continue the conversation. Um, and also, thank you for all the work that you've done helping us with, like, the Shard Dog onboarding for Nia. Um, like, that's been super helpful as, like, we like to make it cheap for people to uh, get going with MailChain or free if possible. Yeah. And, like, through Shard Dog, that's enabled us to do that with Nia. Awesome. You know, we're, we're happy to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. And yeah, I can't wait to, you know, have another one of these in the, you know, a couple months or a little bit of time and see all the developments that happen. That's great. Certainly look forward to that. Thanks, guys. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be in touch. Sounds have good. Bye. 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 Ready Layer One is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only, without any express or implied warranty of any kind, including warranties of accuracy, completeness, or fitness for any particular purpose. You should not make any decision, financial investment, trading, or otherwise based on any of the information presented in this podcast without undertaking independent due diligence and consulting and consultation with a professional broker or financial advisor.